And welcome here to episode 61 of the Cherokee Rewind. I am Mick. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this episode. We always appreciate it. Well, the guy that's on this podcast is a guy who was a goaltender, but he had a stiff right hand that could drop you if you ever messed with him. That's all I'll say. <laughs> anyway, he goes by the name of J.R. Engelbert, the pride of Chelsea, Michigan, and now lives out in Colorado. And, uh, J.R., uh, I'm trying to remember uh, your jersey number. It was either it was either twenty was it twenty nine or was it thirty? It's actually thirty five. Glad I glad I missed it. Okay. <laughs> oh no! You know what? It was thirty. Thirty was the number. Okay. It's so long ago already. <laughs> That's all right. Believe me. Wait till you get my age. It's it's been a while. Anyhow, yeah. uh, appreciate you hanging out with us though today and. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, I mean, wow, yeah, that's a long way from home. I mean, Chelsea, uh, Michigan to Breckenridge, Colorado. Uh, ooh, I mean, I'm sure the skiing's better, but oh my, I just uh, that's a that's a long that's a long haul, you know. From I mean, I'm thinking, you know, you go. I mean, it's not like Chelsea's only five minutes from Toledo. It's it's a drive, and yeah. You know, I mean, you kind of, so you essentially were all over the place. So, uh, obviously, you were naturally born to be in hockey because uh, that's what you do in hockey is you travel <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. yeah, so let's get started here with uh, the beginnings. Uh, you know, how old were you when you first put on a pair of skates? Oh, gosh, you know, I think I was probably probably about six, seven years old, somewhere in there. Uh it started out ice skating as just kind of a little bit of something to do while dad was ice fishing uh-huh. and, uh, you know, get a pair of skates and there were some, uh, some pond hockey games going on out on the lake. So that's kind of how I got my start there. The first, uh, the first winter probably that I was, um, starting to become a hockey player. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I mean, what was it that drew your interest? Was there like any, anything in particular that drew your interest to the game? Was it just watching it with your dad? Was it, I mean, you know, you know, it depends on the generation, but you know, whether, you know, the older guys remember young blood, uh, the more, you know, guys after that followed them, remember the mighty ducks. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. And of course, everyone remembers Slapshot. So, I mean, but then, of course, then you start watching Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, or if you watch growing up watching the Red Wings, in your case, being in Michigan. Uh, or the, you know, like I know we got a lot of uh, guys from different areas of the country, so they've got their favorite teams. But was what was it that drew you to, you know, fall in love with the game? Oh, you know, I think originally it kind of started as just, seeing something that the older boys were doing um and then obviously being there in, in michigan and then specifically right outside of ann arbor um the opportunity to catch live hockey at the u of m there um at yost you know that's an atmosphere unlike a lot um which just really made hockey exciting and fun and and you know kind of probably a combination of all of those um I didn't have any siblings that played. I, at the time, I didn't really know anybody that was playing hockey. Um, and But I, I think it was just a combination of, you know, the Red Wings, you know, U of M, um, and then just 
on the lake while, you know, dad was boring me ice fishing. <laughs> um, yeah, but once, uh, you know, once you got playing, it's, uh, it's a game that's going to hook you for sure. Uh, a lot of action and a lot of skill and it's fast and it's just, you know, it's hockey. It's great. Now, let me ask you. Yeah. Uh, you know, now let me ask you when you put, when you first started playing as a little guy, uh, uh-huh. do, what, uh, how old were you when you first started playing, uh, uh, I guess competitive hockey for lack of a better term? Yeah, I would have been, I, I was a second year squirt my first year playing. So I would have been somewhere in that nine, 10 year old range there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I played forward in the Ann Arbor House League or whatever skating out position they had you playing for that game. Um, and that's kind of how I got started, uh, organized hockey. And then, uh, you know, at some point during the season, I think our goalie got hurt and somebody needs somebody to fill in for practice. And the next thing you know, you're playing a game and the next year comes around and find myself in pads all the time. Wow. Now, did you yeah. now did you fall in love with the idea of being a goalie, or did you just get used to it? You know, Mick. To be honest, I don't I don't remember how it necessarily came about, uh, other than just we needed a fill in, and then it was like I think what draws draws a lot of people to the position is the fact that it's a. Uh, it's an isolated position within a team sport. And, uh, you know, you're on the ice for a full game. you got full game action. Um, so so when you're young, you know, obviously you want to be on the ice as much as possible. So playing goaltender was a great way of being on that ice for the entire game. And then uh, there was definitely something, part of the draw was it, you know, big, colorful, cool pass. You know, just the ambiance, the aesthetics of goaltending. Everything like that, I remember just, you know, being obsessed with, you know, the look of the goaltender growing up and, you know, Felix Potvin and Patrick Waugh and guys like that that were a little bit ahead of their time in terms of style on the ice um, and just being drawn into, you know, the gear. <laughs> the gear. I, I can appreciate that. And, and now that had to be a lot of fun, though, for your folks. Because let's be honest, hockey's not a cheap sport to begin with. But to make it even worse, as a kid growing up as a goaltender, and when you reach the and you're you're not a short guy, so when you grew up and you hit your growth spurts and everything else, that had to drive them crazy as far as plunking out all that dough on goaltender equipment. Well, uh, luckily there in southeastern Michigan, there's a lot of great hockey stores and sales, so. They used to do the uh, Piranis warehouse sale, I think, in Waterford um, every summer. And that's where, you know, we would go to get geared up for the next summer and buy stuff that was a season two or three old and try and save as much money as possible to, you know, keep keep the gear growing with me. <laughs> yep, I understand that. I mean, and it's it's funny because, uh, you know, you see kids that there there are some guys, I mean, some parents that won't let their kids play goaltender because of how expensive it is. 
and and it, it it is very very costly but if you're good and your kid is passionate about it i mean that that does make a big difference and uh when did you do you remember at all anything in particular at any time in particular where you thought hey i'm not bad at this i'm actually pretty good at this goaltending thing um Probably after my first full season in the pads, um, I played a, again in the house league in Ann Arbor. Um, and then after that season, uh, got invited to go up to the double A uh, level. And uh, that was probably about the time where you're kind of like, all right, I guess I need to stick with this, you know, when you're getting getting invited to try out for higher level teams and stuff like that. I think it was my second year peewee year that uh, I made the transition to full-time in in the net and um, never really looked back after that. Now, uh, uh, how old were you when you started? So that was when you started playing travel? Was uh, your at that time also? Yeah. Yep, the first, I believe it was the first year that I was full-time in net was the first year that I played travel hockey. Was it a, was it, uh, were you, did you notice like anything surprising, like in terms of the speed or the, the caliber of play? Uh, you know, if, if I remember correctly, I mean, the, the, the leagues there in the Ann Arbor, Metro Detroit area, I mean, there's so many kids to choose from at each association. So making those A and double A teams were, you know, quite competitive. Um, and, and so the jump between that and your kind of house rec league was, you know, you take, you know, one or two of the best players, you know, from what your house league team was. And now all of a sudden, everybody that's on a team, everybody that you're playing, you know, are the best players, um, from what you were used to, the the skill, the speed, um, everything about that was definitely a a significant jump up that I do remember took, you know, a few games to kind of get used to. But, you know, that's kind of the same no matter what kind of jump you make in in your levels of hockey and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. So um, who were some of the coaches that you played for when you were a young guy growing up? In Ann Arbor, there was uh, Tim Ailes. He was kind of the first coach that I had where I was playing goalie and skated out a little bit. Um, That was at the house level program in Ann Arbor, the Ann Arbor Blades. At the time, that was like if you were in a house, the house league, and you were part of the Ann Arbor Blades, like you were on the team, you know. Mm -hmm. But that was super exciting. (laughs) And then uh, Brian Burke was the coach that brought me into Double A hockey there in Ann Arbor, um, and that was that was probably one of, you know the biggest move. But you know I played for Coach Burke Double A my peewee year, and then uh, we played a, a year of Triple uh, A with Ann Arbor as a new program, and uh, that was that was a rough one. 
team. I faced a lot of lot of pucks, a lot of game time, which as a goalie is a good double-edged sword. You know, you don't want to be standing around, but you want to get some wins and have some nice stats. But when you're on a team that's given up 50, 60, 70 shots a game, that can get a little frustrating too. What was the, uh, what was the old saying? Uh, there was an old saying about uh, up in up in Canada that if a, if a goaltender saw a lot of shots, it was that he saw more rubber than a dead skunk on the Trans-Canada Highway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, if you're a goaltender and you want to develop and, and, and stuff, it, it's almost tough to say, but you don't really want to be on the best team there is. You know, yeah, you can, it'll help you out get those fancy stats and some wins and stuff like that, but as far as development, uh, I mean, being young and being on a, on a team that wasn't that strong, um, you know, playing all the a lot of AAA teams around the Midwest that were significantly better and programs that had been around a lot longer. I mean, that was development-wise, that was probably one of the biggest years I had, just because it was it was nonstop practice essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean. Uh... Did you? I mean, it, it didn't take away from your uh, your 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 drive to want to continue to improve as a goaltender. The I mean, I'm just talking about from the idea of seeing so many shots and not having the best win loss record. No, not at all. I mean, I think at some point you kind of look at the realize the bigger picture of some stuff, and you know, there's only so many things you can control. And, I can control the shots that are put in front of me. I can't always control the outcome of the game, though, at a younger level like that. So, no, I mean, you know, that was 20 years ago at this point almost. So, you know, mm-hmm. what my emotions were or what my thoughts were at the exact time, I, I can't remember. But it was, you know, I, I don't remember it. I remember it being a fun time and one that I definitely looked back on. It was like, it was a lot of work, but. You know, you, you can't replicate. It's the best way to develop. You know, you can't replicate games in practice the same. And so getting your ass kicked a bunch 40, 50 times over the course of the season, you know, you're going to grow through that. Yep. Now, uh, so you played – now, did you play high school hockey before you came to Toledo? Yeah, I played four years varsity with Chelsea. Um, that was an awesome experience. Um Head coach at the time was at the time was Don Wright. He started the program. Um, we they had a rink built, or well, a rink was built uh, right in Chelsea, uh, right before I started high school. Um, you know, we had a pro style locker room. We we had a program that really cared about hockey, and it showed. And um, it was just it was an awesome experience. You know, all four years there, um, we'd have, you know, two, three hundred fans, uh, students at the games, you know, another couple hundred parents and and neighbors and stuff like that. I mean, that was, that was awesome. That was, you know, at the time, that was big time hockey when you, you go into a, a, a rink and the, the stands are, a good sized rink and the stands are packed and screaming and yelling and. You know that was that was an awesome experience. Kind of felt like being at the sh- in the show, didn't it? <laughs> we, you know, you definitely there was a little bit of that swagger around the hockey program in Chelsea for sure. 
Um, I would assume it's kind of the same now. Uh, I follow him a little bit online through social media and stuff, and it doesn't look like anything's changed, you know, other than just growing and expanding even more. Um, but, you know, it was... Did they treat you was, guys? Did they it treat was something you? Something that you wouldn't have got by going and playing other places. That's true. Now, did they treat you guys yeah. like rock stars, the hockey team, when you guys were in high school? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know about that. You know, I think uh, football football was probably still king of the school. But uh, you know, when I was there, hockey was still a pretty new program at the varsity level. Um, I think it only transitioned maybe the year before I got there from a club sport to a varsity sport. So it, you know, it, it was still pretty in its infant stage as far as uh, respect around the school and stuff. Okay. Well, uh, so you played for it now. Uh, did you, were your teams pretty good? I mean, did you, were you able to make any playoff runs at all? Uh, we had some good teams. Um, we were always right in the mix for league championships. I think we won a couple divisions. Um, we never made it past the regional finals, unfortunately, but uh, we definitely got there a few times. And there was one team uh, back then, Jackson, Moon, and Christie, that just, they were a private school in Jackson, and uh, they were able to do a little recruiting and stuff. But back then, I mean, they were, they were a powerhouse team in the area, and, you know, we kind of got to that level there with them, and, and we had some great battles, but I don't, we never got through through them there uh, in the playoffs or anything. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was great. I mean, there's you look back at it. And I know we all say this when we get older and stuff, but uh, you know, it's, it's not the same as it was. You know, hockey now is not the same as it was then, and that, that's okay. But you know, we all glorify everything a little bit from our uh, experiences and our memories. Yeah. They, they make our, they, that's what, you know, memories are what fuel us, you know, especially when you, yeah. when it's something that you love, you know, as much as you did. And as much as we all do is we love the game now. Yeah. So, so you finished playing high school. Um, yeah. was there any thought of playing other places? Uh, was there any recruiting being done of, for your services in other places? Uh, you know, Earlier in my high school career, there was uh, some talk about different opportunities with some of the higher-level AAA programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest, Nick, back then we were we didn't really know we didn't know the difference between like playing for Little Caesars or your local local high school. Uh, we didn't know the different paths and the different roads to, and where they could lead. Um, until I think it was my junior year, um, Coach Wright, he, he's got a pre, he had a really good relationship with the National De- Development Program over in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a goalie go down in the spring, and so after my high school season ended, I spent you know a few weeks here at a time driving over to Ann Arbor and uh, practicing with the national development program. And I think that was where the, the light started kind of turning on that, you know, what's next after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that my junior year. I think I did a little bit of that my senior year, went on a couple road trips with them and dressed for games. 
never got in, unfortunately. That would have been a cool experience at the time. Um, and then, you know, after high school, it was just kind of like, I knew, I knew I wanted to keep playing, but we had to figure out what those options were. And, you know, a lot of emails and phone calls trying to find a place to play. So where, what uh, what places did you try to uh, – did you look at? And um... Gosh, I'd really have to try to remember. But, you know, you, you, when you reach that age, certain age, you, you know, you start getting those letters in the mail from teams in the North American League and, and the USHL and stuff inviting you, to, inviting you quote, unquote, you know, to their open camps and stuff like that. Um, gosh, where did I go? I think I tried out for this Springfield team. They had a, a local camp. Um, oh, the junior, I, I, the I remember that first summer, I went to two or three camps in the North American League. You know, another camp in the USHL. Um and then uh, once, as those were not panning out, uh, found myself in, in some camps for the Central States. And, uh, you know, Toledo was, I was lucky enough to get a shot there in Toledo. Okay. So uh, so you just came to the camp and uh, and you, you were able to catch on here. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. But um what was it like for you when you walked in here? Was there any anxiety? Was there any nervousness when you when you put the pads on and went out there at the, at the ice house? No, uh, you know I felt pretty good in my at my game. Um, I had a good, if I remember right, I had a good summer off season and and came into camp and and the season, you know focused and ready to go and just, you know, really wanting to prove myself and, you know, at that time probably have a chip on your shoulder that you didn't get a chance at, you know, some of the upper tier leagues and stuff like that. So, um, no, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say so. And it was a team that I came into with a bunch of veterans that, uh, honestly just had a, made everything a, a fairly easy transition from high school hockey to the junior hockey. Well, you know, I mean, the thing that I, I think about is, um, well, first off, was there anybody else that you knew here in Toledo? Uh, was there anybody that you were familiar with, either playing with or against? No, I was a complete novice when it came to what junior hockey was or who was playing it or any of the sorts. I was completely blind going into it, which probably, you know, in retrospect, kind of, you know, going back to your question about nerves, you know, which, which probably helps a little bit. You're not, you don't have this pedestal in your head of what junior hockey is or, or you know, any preconceived notions as far as I was concerned. I was just going someplace to keep stopping the puck and keep playing hockey. Um, but about halfway through that first season there, um, I had a buddy that I played high school with, you know, who's the captain on the team, the se- my, our senior year. Um, 
he was looking for a spot to play because where he originally was at wasn't working out. Talked to him and talked to Varga, and, and the next thing you knew, Ryan Ford was part of the uh, Cherokee and ended up, you know, being a, a pretty solid contributor on our on our run through nationals and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan was like a like a favorite for me back then. Uh, for some reason, because he wasn't like a, a, he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a, a brash or a loudmouth. Uh, he was a pretty low key kind of a, a, on the more quiet side of things as far as when he came to Toledo. I don't know about what he was like when he was, you know, when he played when you played with him uh, back in Chelsea. Yeah. But uh, just always struck me as more of a, a, a quiet, well mannered kid. And it, he would, uh, he and I on the bus rides and stuff, we would chit chat a little bit here and there and or on road trips and stuff and always uh, a, a, a solid respectable kid uh work he had to he had to work hard but i tell you what he contributed he was like you said solid contributor uh that is exactly yeah. what he was yeah yeah i know he was definitely uh he wasn't the biggest kid in the world so he you know back then if you were one of those kids that did, ran your mouth or players that ran your mouth there was somebody bigger that was going to be there to have something to say back and you know he didn't he didn't really do that he just kind of stayed quiet flew under the radar and the next thing you know you know on the score sheet making things happen and you know that's kind of the player he was in high school too just you know he was he he kind of dominated high school there for a while and uh, but just you know very low key about it you you didn't really even when he was scoring a lot of goals in high school even when he was you know doing his thing with the Cherokee you know he just flew under the radar and just and just made things happen you can't ask for better than that. that's those are the kind of guys that that people gravitate towards you know and, and those are the guys that you end up becoming friends with them and the friendship lasts a lifetime because they're good sure. pe- they're good people are good people kind of like the goaltender i'm talking to right now anyway sure. uh, but uh you know it's funny because i was trying to remember now do you remember your first win in a Cherokee uniform in the in the CSHL. Oh man, I believe I believe it was at Chicago. Okay. I can't remember if we started the season on the road. I think we did that year. Okay. We started with a road trip to Chicago to play the Force. I did not play the first game. I backed up, and then my first start, I pitched a shutout. Holy cow! Good way to good good start, huh? Good way to start your career in junior. Yeah, that first that first season, I think I went right off the bat. You could tell the team was going to be something something solid, especially once we started gelling as the season went on. But personally, I remember I think I went three shutouts in my first either five or six games. Holy cow! Um, and yeah, that was uh, that was a good way to start hockey, and that that probably helped take care of some of those nerves you were talking about earlier. Is you know having that early success just to build build some confidence, you know, and, and ride that through. My goodness, though, but still, man, it's like that doesn't normally happen at the junior level, you know. It's no. like, man, that's that's incredible, though. That's a great way to start your your career. Never mind the season. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that was that, that was 
awesome. You know, you never know if it's one of those games or that first game go, goes a different way. You know, it could end up being a totally different conversation and mindset that, you know, goes through the season. But, yeah, it, it was awesome. I mean, that was, you know, probably the most, you know, the, the last minute or two of that first game was probably about as nervous as you get because, you know, you got it in your head, even though it's trying not to be in your head. The, the S word has been there and, and all that. You just try it all you can to keep that out of there and, and focus on the moment. But, you know, even now you, you get into those positions and, you know, you get into the the shutout realm conversation and you're, you start to get a little, put a little extra pressure on yourself during the game a little bit. So now um, that I'm trying to remember that first year, uh, uh, that was what the oh five oh six. Yeah. Okay, so we go to Na- that was the year we went to nationals in was it Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia. Yep. Yeah, the nationals were in Philly. Um, that whole season, that second half season that we had there and then that playoff run uh going into nationals too was man that was that was about as fun a hockey as you could have that was that was something special well i want to hear about this from you from your perspective because i mean i remember from what i remember um i mean we had some serious talent back then uh if i'm not mistaken that was uh what and we'll get into this too, but the run against uh, the run, the little dust up we had with Dubuque, that was in your first year or your second year? That was in my second year. Okay, so we'll get to that in a yep. little bit, but I want to talk about the first year because yep. uh, that was the year that uh, we went to Philly, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the championship game was us and St. Louis. It was an all CSHL matchup, wasn't it? It was. We ended up losing that game five four. It was. An, it was remember it. Yep, that was a really exciting game. And the reason I re- the thing I remember too was the season prior, before you were there, they yep. had to stop the game. The president of USA Hockey was out on the ice, sent you know kicking everybody off the ice because uh, it got so ugly. And I mean. There was a goaltender fight. Uh, there was it was just nasty, and I mean, it all started because the uh, officiating, the officials lost control of the game completely, and it was probably yeah. one of the worst officiating. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm saying on, on like throughout the uh, throughout the game on both sides, it was just an ugly, ugly game. Well, anyway, long story short, uh, I mean, it it was really nasty. We were in Minnesota. And it was just really ugly. I mean, I know we had they had an emergency meeting with the board and stuff with USA Hockey, the whole nine yards. It was just ugly. Well, the, I remember the your first year when we went over there, and it was a 5-4 game. I remember the president of USA Hockey going back out on the ice. And he, I'll never forget, he said, last year we had I had to come out on the ice and it was uh, uh he, he was saying something like it was a disgrace and he said you brought your integrity and you recaptured your your integrity this year 
with the way you handled yourself on the ice. He said, you guys play, and it was. That was to this day is still one of the most exciting games that I ever watched. And yeah, we didn't get the we didn't get the W, but you know what? I there, I'm not I, no hanging head in shame. No way. That was just a really good hockey team. And uh, that was part of the St. Louis run. I mean, they were they were a powerhouse in that decade. And uh, oh, they didn't they didn't lose hockey games. If you if you beat St. Louis, you better you know back then you you grab the puck and you get out of there and and don't look back because they were they were a powerhouse. I mean, there was there there was no question about it. So yeah. My favorite my favorite part of that of that back then, and I don't know if it was that year. Oh, no, it wasn't that year. It had to be. It was, uh, I think, like a year or two. I can't remember which year it was. But there was a year they went the entire season, all right, on their way to their next championship, their next national championship. They won. They almost went wire to wire. They only lost one game the entire regular season, and that includes the playoffs and the tournament. They only lost one game. And it was to Grand Rapids, who was the worst team in the league. And that game against St. Louis was their only win that season. That, I, you know what? I think that was my first year. Was that your first year? Okay. Then, I yeah. So, because guess who gave them their second loss of the season? Who? We went to, so if it was the same year, I do remember that. Grand Rapids beat them out of nowhere. And then we all, so we make the Central States playoffs. So there's the league playoffs, and then there was nationals. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. We beat them in the round robin of the league playoffs, lost to them in the championship of the league playoffs, but we were already, we already had a berth to nationals at that point. Okay. Um, so that was... Yeah, beating them, I remember that. That was something that didn't happen very often. That that St. Louis team was stacked. I remember. I can't remember specifically specifically if it was the round robin portion of the championship. Man, I wish I could look up their roster because I would know this guy's name right away. He was a defenseman, and he got it on the power play up top, and just ripped one right off my cage. Was that Chris Butler? I just I'm all mixed up with my with like some of the players in the years and stuff that they played, but I remember a guy with a huge shot that was Chris Butler. Uh, I know um, trying to remember Pat Dolan played back then for them. He was really good and had a hard shot. Uh, Ryan Trends, all those guys. Uh, Saraceno, yeah. Anyway, the, yeah. during yeah, that was during but, their heyday. Anyway, but uh, back to us. But yeah, you. beating them. Uh in there in that round robin that made sure that we went to the finals and then the finals game like obviously like winning the championship would have been great we lost to him in the championship but at that point we'd already got our berth in the top two teams in the league went on to nationals mm-hmm. um, but man that was 
that was fun hockey. And then we went into Philadelphia and just went on a run. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was super fun. It's something I'll never forget. Well, the thing I remember about Philadelphia were two things. One, I, tr- I was care I, my laptop, the, the monitor part of my laptop, uh, died. So I had to get a, I grabbed a old, and this is back before we had flat screens like we do now, you know, uh-huh. I had, I had those, one of those big fat old fashioned monitors. And I brought that along with my laptop. I hooked it up to my laptop so I could see, so I could do, uh-huh. see what I was doing to hook everything uh-huh. up to broadcast. And uh, I remember carrying that big lug lunky thing and I tripped and hit my mouth on it and uh, it fell down and hit my mouth on it. And it was like, oh, my God, did that hurt? I remember that. And then, um, let me see, that year in Philadelphia for the Nationals, um, was that the year that we had the big boys from Philly and New Jersey and stuff playing with us, uh, Lanciano and Siganuk? No. Okay, then I got my year mixed up there then. That was a different era. Uh, But we had, uh, I'm trying to think, we have Sipes. We had Seipel up front. We had Abiglin, Higgins. That was that yep. year. Yep. Urbaniak. Yeah, Nate Dog. Yep. Uh, both both Hafners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasper. Fillmore uh, was a 15-year-old playing. Uh, who else? Andrew Hess. Oh, my God. That kid was a monster. Half man, half monster. Yeah. Yep. JC Gulch. I loved uh, that kid. He could he he didn't care how then, big uh, you were, he'd fight you. He didn't care. And, oh yeah. And then uh the class clown uh Bart. <laughs> Who speaking of not wanting to fight, yikes, look out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, everyone thinking, okay, yeah, I don't want to fight Higgy because of how big he is and how strong, which was true. But, yeah. I mean, you put him and, and Bart and you go, who would you rather fight? I, I, I got, I'm I going to be honest. Uh, knowing what I know about both of them, I'd rather, I'd rather fight Higgy, <laughs> take my lumps from Higgy than to, I mean, Bart just hurt. He would hurt people. Seriously hurt, hurt people. Ooh. <laughs> You know, catch him by surprise, too, because he was this, you know, scrawny, Dude, you he... know, probably weighed 140 pounds, five foot seven on a good day, five foot eight, and that's on scale. <laughs> w- would not back down from anybody, and if he got a hold of you and, and got that inside position, I mean, yeah, that was. I, I, I vaguely remember the first time I watched him fight, and it was just it, it blew my socks away. I didn't I didn't know much about him as a fighter at that point, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you're thinking, what the hell is this dude guy doing dropping the gloves? And the next thing you know, he just beats the wheels off somebody. Yep. And uh, that that was the theme for him. I tell you, and you know what was funny though is that you know he developed that reputation as being you know. there's no way you could consider him a heavyweight, but he was the heavyweight champ in, in the CSHL, no question, but he could still contribute offensively. That guy had some hands and never mind the knuckles. I mean, on the other side of his hands, 
he could put the puck in the net when he needed when we needed it. Yeah, he was just a, kind of a deceptive player. You know, if I remember right, you know, he didn't. He was quick, but he didn't skate great. Like he didn't pass an eye test, right? Yeah. He didn't. He didn't like look like that traditional hockey player that's going to score goals and make plays. Mm-hmm. You know, if I remember his stride was a little choppy, ankles bent a little bit, but. You know, just the next thing you know, he got around you and the puck was in the net. And, you know, I think I think that's where, like, that team in general, just the heart and the desire of that team was, you know, no quit ever. It was just go, go, go. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, I remember, I think it was that year, or might have been the following year, I'm not sure, but I, I know it was a year that he played. Um, we had a local... Toledo police de- uh, officer detective uh, who was killed in the line of duty. And uh, matter of fact, this may have been after, cause I think Dunk was coaching at that point, Ian Duncan and uh, okay. Bart, Bart came out. Uh, the, the widow of the, of the police officer uh, dropped the ceremonial first puck at the ice house. So we were playing Chicago and yeah, this was definitely later. And, and, and Bart came and I, I I don't know. He would just happen to be there and he just jumped over and helped her out onto the ice to help her. So she wouldn't slip and fall and uh, have her drop the puck. And this was being televised locally on our, on BCSN. And uh, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, that just, it it really made me not only just love him more, but just respect how good of a human being he was after all, you know, you think hockey players, they can be goofballs and this other stuff, but he just was a quality, quality kid, a quality guy. And, uh, it just said a lot, you know, and, and, and then, uh, and then to top it off, the guys from Chicago donated, uh, to, you know, to help with everything. They made donations and stuff, uh, to, and helping with the family and everything. And I thought, man, that's why I love, you know, that's why I love this league, you know, and the people in it, because, uh, you know, you, you, you beat each other up, call each other every vile name you can think of. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the it's still a family. You know, we, we just happen to put the fun in dysfunctional. But, uh, yeah, right. you know, that's just us. Now, uh, speaking of family, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about yours, especially yeah. your mom. She was, she was a woman that, um, she would get nervous watching you play. Now I remember that during her, your time in Toledo, but my question is, was she always that way? I mean, when you were growing up, uh, as far as I can recall, yeah, she was at almost every hockey game I ever played. Uh, she watched every hockey game I, I played but I don't know how much she watched when the puck was in our defensive end. Not much. She was, yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. She could, she was, she was too nervous about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure she would finally remember that if, if I was to uh, bring that up. But yeah, <laughs> no, she, she couldn't, she, she could not watch, you know, when the, when the other team was, you know, putting the offensive pressure on and stuff like that. No, she was an absolute wreck about it. 
I mean, that I used to smile whenever I'd see that. I can remember in Philadelphia for the tournament. Uh, I remember this succinctly. She sat like about maybe one one row behind me and a couple seats over, and uh-huh. I'm doing the game there. And I had and I, when I'd mentioned anything about bringing the puck into the Toledo zone, I could. It was like her cue. She would automatically shift herself and turn and face towards me. She would be to my yeah. left, and she would turn and face towards me and not watch what was going on when the when and especially God forbid they crashed the net. Oh goodness, yeah. Yeah, I mean more of that later, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a whole nother one. But uh, the second yeah. year, but I mean, especially though with you. Uh, like I said, anytime anyone tried to crash the net or go anywhere like that, any extracurriculars, that I I, I saw that and I watched that. She it just tore yeah. her up. No, I can I can picture that right in my head, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I would, uh, you know, I still play out here in Colorado right now, and uh, I'm sure she she tries to catch games if she comes out, but. I'm sure she would be the exact same way now, even, you know, 15 years later uh, <laughs> of uh, cowering away from the play when it's in our end. God love her. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, I just say, you know what, that's her baby boy, you know, and she's, you could, uh, you could be great. 40 years old, JR, and you're still going to be her baby boy. And, oh, you know, I know. I get reminded all the time. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and so. Uh, Yes, it is. You know, it just that's that's just the bond and the love of a parent. You know, it knows no yeah. bounds. So um, now, who was your who was your goaltending uh, tandem partner in in that first season? To start the season, it was Cooper and uh, Matt Cooper. Okay. And then there was a third, uh, Andrew. Uh, I can't. I can't recall. He didn't end up sticking around too long. Too long. Mm-hmm. He kind of found himself in that third position. And uh, if I recall right, when the high school season started, um, he left and went back and played for high school Northview or something. I think. Okay. Uh, and then later in the year, uh, Steve uh, Maddage. Maddage. Yeah, Steve Maddage. Yeah, he uh, he came in, and uh, the three of us kind of took it from there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I liked Steve. He was a he was a pretty cool dude. Yeah, he was a great kid. Uh, I think he got traded from. I think we made a trade from for him. Uh, I think he came from the Michigan Ice Dogs, if I remember right. Yep. Uh, I think it was him and Kappa. They were a package deal or something. Um, and yeah, so the. Yeah, the three of us mind uh, those nets the rest of the season. Now, um, I mean, did you did? Uh, I know the two of you split most of the time, if I remember correctly. It was mostly you and Steve that saw yeah. the bulk of the action. Um, that, yeah, I think that that first year I ended up playing. Uh, I, I ended up playing around 50, 50 games. Um, especially the first half of the year when um, it was just kind of Cooper and I running it. It's the product of, 
you know, having that hot start kind of got me that number one position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, when Steve came in, things started, the workload evened out a little bit, but it was, it was definitely a heavy year as far as uh, being in that. Now, you know, the, the junior schedule with being what it was, did you have to make any adjustments as far as like, uh, you know what I mean? The idea of the, of the travel, I mean, the, the, the long distance travel, and then also the fact that you play more games in, at, at a junior level. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't recall it being that big of a thing. Cause when you play triple a hockey, you were driving all over the place, busting and stuff as well. Um, and then even when I was, you know, playing high school there in Chelsea, I mean, yeah, the high school season is a specific period. But, you know, when you mix in fall hockey, spring hockey, everything, I mean, at the end of it, you're still probably playing a 40, 50-game schedule, 60 games over, you know, nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, with the summer kind of off from games and just focused on training, but... Um, I think if I remember, you know, the biggest thing was playing back-to-back games, you know, because in high school you didn't really play back-to-back. You played on Wednesday, you played on Saturday. You know, from the time that season started, you you basically knew exactly what your schedule was and what the rhythm was. Um, I, I do remember kind of having those back-to-back games in the beginning was definitely the second the second leg of those was a much tougher um as you're kind of getting into the rhythm. Um, and then w- once you kind of figure out the rhythm and your condition for the season and stuff, um, you know, I, I don't recall it being too big of an issue playing back-to-back or playing, you know, that amount of games. Okay, so now... You, you, know, know, you have a lot more stamina when you're 19 years old than you do now, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I, if I tried to go out there now, I'd collapse during warm-ups. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so anyhow, you know, we the the wonderful run all the way to the national championship game and come up short. Uh, was there any thought after that first year of maybe moving on and looking for uh, playing at uh, somewhere else, or, or did you know you wanted to come back to Toledo? Uh. No, I definitely tried to move on. Um, after nationals, there was, you know, you've got three coaches and stuff around. Um, I talked to a few different programs. Never went on any visits. Um, just because I, you know, at that time, I was thinking I just had a really successful first year playing junior. You know, I want to I wanna give this another run. Um I went to, uh, I went up at that time, the Marquette Rangers were an expansion team in the North American League. Uh, I went to the Indiana Ice, USHL, I went to their main camp, um, all from kind of nationals and what they saw there. Um, Didn't make Indiana, went up to Marquette, had a great camp, made the team out of camp. and then a few weeks later, got released as they took a kid that was coming out of the Select 16 program at that time. Um, and the, the starter, the number one that they had on their on their board was a, a 
D1 transfer. I think he was from Providence. Um, you know, he was transferring, so he had to go back for a year. So at the end of it, you know, they're just, they wanted their older guy, they wanted their younger guy. And I kind of fell in the middle there and ended up getting released. And next thing I knew, I was uh, back in Toledo for camp. So tell but me. There was, never any, there was never any hesitation, you know. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I need to move on. But, uh, you know, obviously at that time, you always want to play higher levels. And, you know, I thought maybe if I went back, I could maybe get my opportunity through call-ups or something like that. Sure. Now, so what was it like that second year? Uh, was there, I mean, obviously there were some new faces, but uh, tell me what that was like as far as walking into that locker room with a, 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 still some returnees, but still essentially a lot of new faces too. Yeah, that second year, uh, that was the first year the Dunks coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think there was a little bit of a weird feeling in the locker room to start the year about that because, you know, we just went on this huge run and all that. And next thing you know, our our coach was let go over the summer. And, you know, I, I remember definitely having a little bit of a weird feeling going into that locker room. It was, you know, the same, a lot of the same guys and the same faces, but, you know, with a, a head coaching change any time, you know, you kind of almost wipe the slate clean and start over. And uh, that was also back. And hockey changed a lot that year in general, too. Post 607, that's when USA Hockey, and I think even the NHL, and that's how it trickled down, they they really clamped down on, on penalties and interference and tripping and all that. Um, it, was, it was a different year, for sure. Just totally different coaching styles personalities and everything and uh it it, it probably took a a good amount of time for everybody to kind of feel each other out and find that common ground of understanding and stuff like that so i mean um so when you came in that second year who was your goaltending partners i think it was steve again okay uh, you know, I, I, I think it was. All right. Now, yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, I tried to look up some stuff just to jog the memory. And unfortunately, you know, the Central States Hockey League website long gone. And everything from Point Streak and, and stuff back then is, is gone except for nationals. But, yeah, I, I can't really remember, honestly, that second year. Um quite as well but I want to say Steve was my goalie partner for the whole season um yeah okay then uh now of course you might not remember a lot of things but Mm -hmm. a certain game against a certain team from Iowa I think probably might stand out a little bit (laughs) yeah that one will stand out for as long as I can remember things um that was the first time I'd ever been part of something like that. That was an experience, that's for sure. Well, I mean, and it was funny because it all started because of a – well, first off, it was because of the, I guess they got their, their, their feelings hurt or something, their egos bruised, because Nick Yost lit up a kid right outside the Dubuque blue line with a clean hit. You know, his shoulders were square, 
he hit him up high. But they're also, in addition to that, I guess I believe uh, their knees hit. But it was a straight-up hit. It wasn't like, uh, you know, he was trying to submarine him or hit his knee. And, uh, yeah, no, it, was a, it was a relatively clean hit, you know, a little bit of incidental contact in the knee area, but it wasn't it wasn't targeting, it wasn't deliberate or anything like that. It was just once they collided, you know, that initial kind of shoulder-on-shoulder, shoulder-on-chest, you know, things just kind of started spreading out a little bit. No, it was a, it was a good hit, open ice, you know? Yeah, and then after that, it was, it's like, okay, everyone was, you know, pretty torqued and, uh, you know, upset and stuff and using a few choice words, I'll put it that way. Um, and, uh, okay, fine. They settle, finally settle things down. Face-offs at the Dubuque Blue Line. And Bill, I think his name's Billy Kruger, whatever reason. Yeah, that, that sounds right, yeah. Yep. For whatever reason, uh, uh, the message, the tap on the shoulder from Joe Coombs. Anyway, uh, takes off at the drop of the puck and heads down the ice straight for you. Yeah. And I thought for sure um, he was going to really take a dirty cheap shot because you're not a short guy. It's not like you can squirm out of things. You know, you're a tall, no, you're a tall even, guy. Even as a goalie, there even as a goalie, there weren't a lot of guys in the league that were too much bigger than I was. Yeah, and so uh, you and you submarine this guy, <laughs> and he goes flying. Yeah. And I'll let you take it from there because it, it, it's what happened to you. You take it from there and tell tell us what went through your mind as he was coming down the ice, and then what happened after that. Yeah, I mean, I I remember kind of recognizing what was going on when he probably because the 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 faceoff was on the the far blue neutral zone dot. Um, and you know when the puck gets dropped, you're not necessarily you're watching the puck. You're not necessarily watching, you know, this random guy come straight up the ice for no reason. Um, it was probably somewhere around where he hit inside our blue line that I kind of was like, "Yeah, what the hell is going on?" Realized what was going on, and uh, yeah, I, I do remember. I just I let him get close. I let him get close. And I just, I dropped to one knee and just over he went uh, into the goal. And, uh, you know, by then everybody was coming down. Everybody else knew what was going on. And I remember I tried to get turned around. Like the gloves came off. I tried to get turned around to like find this guy. And if you go back and watch the video, I mean, he is just seat belted onto the back of my jersey and just waiting for everybody else to come because he knew what was coming at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, I think it was Gulch. I think it was JC that was the first back and kind of got him and got him off of me. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember just kind of standing there after he got off or on watch and, and looking around like, what the hell is going on right now? And then, uh, you know, everybody's going at it. And there was a, uh, on the far dot from where I was standing, you know, all I remember 
was seeing a pile of players down and a Dubuque player just beating our guy shots while he was on the ice. And uh, without thinking, you know, across the zone I went and uh, kind of pile-drived into there to get him off. And I remember, I mean, I didn't, first fight I'd been in, but it was just natural. I just remember uh, grabbing that jersey and giving him a shake and just, if I remember right, it was either one, two, and then that big one that you talked about before, mm-hmm. or if it was just one and then the other. But I remember, I mean, I can still imagine that feeling of that, that one, that one good one that really connected where, I mean, it was square in the cheek right below the eye. And, I mean, his his knees just buckled and down he went. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. That was one of their t- uh, like top guys too. He was like he was their t- one of their top offensive weapons. I remember, and I remember he was also one of their tough guys because he he uh, yeah he got oh, heavily that, recruited. Well, that team, I mean, they were cause that was their first year in the league, if I remember right. They didn't play in the league before the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, they they were. You know, they were up there with St. Louis as far as talent and uh, being a strong team. And uh, But they were a tough team. St. Louis was a very skilled team uh, with some big guys, but Dubuque was a tough team. I mean, they had skill, but they were also going to beat you uh, physically as well. Definitely a different style of hockey. Um, but yeah, that was... That was one that, yeah, you know, a once-in-a-lifer type thing. <laughs> yeah, and I remember, too, the other guy I remember having a, a really good fight, too, was uh, Austin Seiple. Sipes was yeah. in front of you. And if you look at the yeah. video, he's got two guys that he's trying to fend off. And Yeah, and I think I think that, that's who I went in because eventually the two against one in if I remember right, you know, he was feeding them pretty good. Second guy came in, kind of grabbed him. He was still fighting them off. And then if I remember right, he was the one that ended up down with the two guys on top. And mm-hmm. that's where I came back across and kind of intervened, like, you're not you're not going to do this to our player right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, that was quite the chain of events there. And it was funny. Just leaning over the boards, just yelling at each other. You know, guys. I, I don't really remember what happened, you know, afterwards because I got thrown out. You know, I guess I was listening to Nick Joe's podcast with you. And, you know, maybe some stuff was going on in the hallway afterwards. But oh, I, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember, you know, getting thrown out and, uh, you know, not thinking much of it probably at the time and just getting undressed and hitting the showers. But yeah, what a, <laughs> what a wild turn of events that was. Yeah. Well, I remember cause Yost got, and, and I, I misspoke on his podcast cause I thought you leapfrogged Billy Kruger, but no, you submarined him, which is probably a better thing to do. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, they got, they, 
I said on his podcast that he didn't get anything, but he actually did. They whisked him away early, right out of the gate, because he wasn't in the penalty box. He was in uh, he was in the in the locker room because you know he was a young rookie. So I think they that they kind of they kind of saved him his bacon a little bit. He said. Anyway, the thing I remember most was uh, Tarsh and Joe Coombs, the head coach of Dubuque. Uh, they went behind their respective benches out into that hallway and i was expecting cops going to be called i thought we were going to have like (laughs) full-on bring out break out the law enforcement and uh you know it just got really ugly really fast and and of course uh everybody up in the up in the loft up there above the above the rink uh up up there in the suites are yelling and chirping uh, uh the dubuque guys and it just got uh, it just got real ugly. And I'm doing the game for BCSN, right? And it's me right. and it's me and I think Toby Hafner. And to- yeah. Toby's going on and on about this is gong show hockey. And I mean, uh, his, his commentary on the video is. I mean, if if anybody knows Toby, I mean that was him doing T. That was almost you know in retrospect that's is almost as inter- entertaining as the as the fight if you were uh, <laughs> watching it on TV or the radio. Yeah, he was. You could tell he was like, I, he, you know, cause he played the year before, mm-hmm. um, and then aged, I think he aged out, and so he helped he helped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he did a couple games with here, maybe just the yeah. one, but you, you could tell the tone in his voice and stuff. He was wishing he was right out there with the boys, giving her again. You, you know it. You know it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's Toby. Toby and Rue are both great guys. You know, absolutely oh, yeah. love them both. Uh, so now, you know, I remember uh, that Kruger kid ended up getting, I think, suspended for the rest of the season. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know if he got like tossed out of the league for good. Uh, I don't know what happened after that. But um, I just remember, I think that was the year, didn't we have, that was that, uh, was that when they started calling it Herster Cup, or was it still Gold Cup? I can't remember. That, that was the year before. They started the calling year, it Herster? When made that national run, it was, it was the Herster Cup, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay then. But they had the Herster Cup, um the set your I think it was your second year, wasn't it, that they had the Herster Cup in Toledo? Or my years off again? Yo, you know Gosh, what? I can, yeah, yeah I, I think remember. I think it was the year after you left that it was in Toledo that they had the Herster Cup because I know yeah. they had it also in Dubuque uh, in that same time frame. They had the Herster. Yeah, I can't remember because we didn't make the playoffs my second year, so I'm not sure where that ended up being. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, it may have been that. It may have been that year because of the team. You know, we weren't. We didn't. We weren't in the playoffs that year. Okay. So gotcha. we were. I know it was Dubuque beat. I think Dubuque beat. Uh, it wasn't St. Louis. I don't know if it was St. Louis or Chicago that was in the in the championship and Dubuque won because I remember standing there next to uh, Spike Alvarez, their goaltender. And he was like the MVP of the, of the tournament of the Herster cup and uh, talking to him. And, but I know, you know, it felt really weird because Toledo wasn't in it. So I think right. that might've been, that might've been the year, I think, 
but I know that's okay. those were the circumstances, and it was just really odd. But anyway, right. so you finished playing that year in Toledo. Uh, where does this, uh, where does J.R. Engelberg, where do his travels go next? Well, hold on now, Nick. We got to talk about the second fight I was in that second year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we can't go without that. Yeah. Please. There was, there was a goalie fight with Chicago. Yep. That was in Chicago, uh, though, right? No, that was in, in Toledo. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I forget. Something. I think it was this kid, uh, Alex Wool, uh, on the team the second year. And he, he was coming out of the zone. He was kind of a fourth liner, but he was coming out of the offensive zone and I can't remember if he if he hit somebody or high sticked him or whatever, but whatever it was, their goalie uh, chased him down onto the blue line. And, and I remember sitting down on the other end. It was in the second period, so I was on the far side. And I'm, I'm like, I start coming out, and I'm like, no. And the next thing I know, Duncan's yelling at me, get down there. And so... <laughs> Across the ice, I go uh, square up with their goalie, and then uh, you know going back to my mom and, and the um, I just bring it up because it's funny uh, going back to my mom and how she's so squirmish about you know when the play there's pressure in my zone. Uh, that was one that I got an earful from afterwards. Uh, <laughs> the Dubuque one, not so much. That one was understood. But the uh, the one against Chicago, I uh, definitely got a earful from the parents for skating all the way down and and fighting, and that was, you know. But those are the, those are things that you remember for a lifetime. And yeah, it was just funny, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it ended up. Uh, I think that time, I think the first the debut game, I think that was a three game suspension. I think the Chicago fight got me six. So there's a there's a bit of a sitting out that season for various reasons. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is too funny. Yeah. But so uh, at the time you don't think you know at the time you don't think about the consequences. You just you, you go do what you got to do. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're going to your away games. Or uh, I remember right after one of those, we were going to like one of the showcases that we did. Oh. And didn't 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 get to play any hockey that weekend. Got to watch a lot of hockey. Still, man, that had to, ew, that bites you, yeah. especially when you got scouts there. Yeah. Uh, so, oh man, that stinks. Well, um, so you finish in Toledo. Uh, where yeah. where does Jr. go next as far as playing hockey? Um, you know, after that second year in Toledo, so. One thing we didn't touch on was the first, the second year in the beginning of the year, I tore, I tore the labrum in my shoulder, my left shoulder. Oh, that's right. And uh, I, you know, I went to the doctors and stuff down there. It was one of those things like you could have surgery and get it taken care of, but it's going to be a a really long recovery. You know, I think if I remember right, it was well into the next season, not even that season. And, uh, so I ended up just uh, getting 
his own shots throughout the season to be able to play. And then when the season ended, it, you know, I had one year of eligibility left, but I was hurt. You know, I wasn't playing like I should at that point because of that. And uh, that, that was just kind of where, you know, for the time being, things kind of got hung up and went back to Chelsea and started going to school a little bit and working at the ice rink there and and things like that. So, um, yeah, when I left Toledo, I probably, I probably didn't put on hockey. I probably didn't put on goalie pads for a good, solid, God, I want to say almost two years. Wow. Yeah, I was just, you know, at that time, I, it was just kind of, you know, you had a little bad taste in your mouth the way it kind of ended and being hurt and stuff too and and all that. Yeah, it, it was a long time. It might not have been a full two years, but it, it was a solid year and a half or so before I I put on pads and God, I want to, you know, I, don't, I honestly want to say there was there was almost a year before I even put on skates again. Ouch. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. all right. And then, uh, yeah, so I went back home. I was going to school for a little bit. I'm not a school person, um, but I was going. Uh, I was working at the ice rink there. I was doing some coaching with the, Learn to play program. I was doing some goalie lessons. I was doing some adult clinics. You know, I was one of the instructors there. There was two of us, myself and uh, Nick Vetter. We were kind of the instructors there at the ice rink and drove the Zamboni and all that stuff for a couple of years and coached some JV hockey um, with Chelsea. And then uh, finally, kind of one day, it was just. I'm out of here and kind of gave my notice and a few days later I was on the road heading to Colorado and at that time I, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know what what was leading up to next but I just knew that it was time for a change and um, Matt Rogers and Anthony Martin and Johnny Melendez um, all from my first year there in Toledo um, they lived out in Colorado or Wyoming. So basically I pulled into Denver and got on the phone and it was like, Hey, I'm, here's where I'm at. I need a place to stay. And while I figure some stuff out, that's, that's kind of how I ended up in Colorado. And yeah, it's been, uh, 13 years now. Wow. So now, um, so, how did you get hooked up into Breckenridge? Um, I ended up in Breckenridge. So, when I first pulled into Denver there, um, I ended up going up to Laramie, Wyoming, where Anthony Martin was going to school. And Tim, Matt Rogers, myself, Ryan Sell, and, uh, and Jesper, we were we were super tight. We, we pretty much were hanging out all the the time together and whether that be around town or over at the cells and, and stuff like that. But so I went up and stayed with Anthony, uh, in Laramie at his house. And I was probably there for a good four or five, six weeks while I was applying for jobs and just trying to figure out where my next 
move was I knew that I wanted to be at that time kind of in a ski resort area. So I was just applying all over. And I guess um, the way I ended up in Breckenridge is that I visited here with all those guys after our run in nationals. My first year, we came out for spring break, kind of. Um, and it's just one of those places that once you kind of come to once, you're kind of hooked. And it was a spot that was on my mind for a long time. And it just so happened that that was kind of the first spot that I got offered a job. Um, so I drove down to Breckenridge, interviewed, drove back up to Laramie, got called on the way back up, uh, that I, you know, received the job offer, um, packed my stuff and down into Breckenridge I went, you know, the next day or something. And yeah, the, you know, like they say, the rest is kind of history. I've been here 13 years now. Wow. So, but I mean, as far now, how about for, as far as coaching, I mean, how did you get involved there? Um, you know, coaching, I've been helping out with the program here, you know, as a volunteer for, I don't know, four or five years, you know, coming in and out, you know, when my schedule would allow me to, um, helping with goalies, um, kind of volunteer assistant coaching some of the youth teams, um. It was just kind of one of those situations where, you know, if I didn't have to be at work or if I didn't have to be somewhere, um, you know, I, I would come to the rink and, and kind of help out and, and where I could. And then as the years went on, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this year I got, I was offered the job, a job as a director admin um, with the Youth Hockey Association here. Um, which included taking on a U15 girls program team. Oh, boy. And then uh, kind of the, the varsity job I, I was, um, came about kind of late in the fall, late in the winter almost, as the, the coach that was currently there um, ended up leaving because he got another job offer uh, for his career someplace else and uh, had to kind of leave. Um, so myself and a couple other guys, we kind of filled in for the preseason, um, just kind of keeping that rolling with the coaching. And then it became kind of a question or a conversation of like, well, what do we do now once the season gets here and all that? Um, with the COVID year, obviously things weren't normal. and It just kind of worked out where the coaching the high school varsity team and my U15 girls team didn't really overlap too much. And next thing you know, I was I was coaching the varsity team here as well. Oh, so goodness. It kind of it kind of progressed pretty quickly for sure. But uh, you know, it's, it's something that I've been around here for. You know, especially a little bit more hands-on for the last two, three, maybe four years even. Do you ever make it back to Chelsea?
didn't go back for a long time. And then, uh, if I recall, there was a summer or a year of like quite a bit of stuff going on. The next thing you know, I'm back three times in a year, and then I might not be back for a couple of years. But um, I had plans last spring to go back. You know, COVID kind of ruined those. Yeah. I had plans this fall to go back. COVID kind of kept ruining that. So the goal is to try to get back there this spring and, you know, yeah. see what's going on with town and all that sort of stuff and, and catch up with some people. But it's just, you know, it's hard to, well, right now it's, it's hard to travel. So and plus, I was going to say, besides yeah. that, Breckenridge is home. So. So there's, you know, there's, there is that. So, well, anyway, before we, we wind her up here, uh, yeah. I have two questions. One, what would the, and I ask this of most folks, what would the uh, JR of today, what advice would you give to that kid that uh, played junior hockey back in Toledo back in the day? Is there any advice with the, with the benefit of wisdom that you have now? What advice would you give to that young man? probably just say, you know, work hard and never give up. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you, you don't know what opportunities there are when they might come around. Um, so work hard, never give up, and, and honestly, just kind of cherish that time, because you know, at some point it, it, it's going to end, and you know, it's uh, even before today's talk, you know, there's, there's memories that you're going to have, and and stuff that, you know, as hockey players, we're, we're fortunate enough to, to have that a lot of people in other sports aren't going to be given that opportunity, um, just the way the structure of hockey and, and stuff is. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's, <laughs> you know, you play your, your, your football for four years at your local school, and then it's, it's done and over, and it's, you know, you don't, ever play football again um for hockey there's there's different paths to different roads and you know just work hard don't give up and, and cherish those opportunities and, and make those memories yeah now just to be fair there are no beer leagues in football that's why they only play four years but <laughs> that's true um definitely but uh i mean even still you know the we I run a, a GM, a senior A hockey team here in Breckenridge, the Breckenridge Vipers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, it's full check hockey. I mean, it's talking to a few people, you know, a couple of guys who played some other places before they played there. You know, it's kind of the teams in the leagues we play, a lot of them, you know, are, are right around probably the, the level of the Fed back in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, if the opportunity arises, play. You know, and that's it, it was a couple of years of this team being around here where I knew of them, but I was like, no, nah, I don't want to play. You know, it's glorified beer league, whatever. And then finally, a bunch of buddies they convinced me to play. And I'll tell you what, the first practice was immediately reminded me. Um, you know why I love 
fairly decent level of hockey, especially for a bunch of guys that are 25 to 35 years old now. So it's, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, true. Definitely true about the football and the beer league. There is no beer league football. So, you know, that wraps up your football career when you graduate. <laughs> That's true. So, okay. Uh, one more thing here. Um, what would you like to say to Cherokee Nation? You know, folks, different different eras, they all listen to this. I'm very fortunate and grateful for that. Um, what would you say to the fans and the and the alumni and your old teammates and stuff here in Toledo that um, if you had a chance to say something, what would it be? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember Toledo as being an organization that cared. And uh, they treated their players fairly and well. And, uh, you know, the fans were great. Um, you know, junior junior B hockey at the time. We didn't, we didn't draw the biggest fan, crowd, uh, fan base um, ever at home games. But, you know, the people that were there were dedicated and they loved it. And, you know, the organization as a whole was, it was just an awesome experience where I think a lot of people don't get that when they do go experience junior hockey they get a there's a mixed bag um so you know hopefully everybody realizes that you know they're they're part of something special uh there's junior teams come and go leagues come and go um you know i think you've really seen that over the last five to ten years too um it's a bit of a revolving door right now as far as juniors go but you know Toledo's got the history and the legacy uh, and the organization to make it last and, and be something special for everybody. And, you know, for the players that are there now or, you know, looking to go there in a few years, you know, I just kind of go back to that, like, cherish those moments and realize that you're you're part of something bigger and a legacy and a, and a team that's been around for a long time and, and enjoy the moment, you know, because... It'll, it'll be over before you know it, and, and you want to look back on it and, and say that you you had the best time and gave it the best effort you could while you were there to, you know, for the the crest on the front and the history and the legacy that being a, a charity means. Amen to that. I couldn't put it any better. Well, JR, uh, it seems like we only started about seven or eight minutes ago, and by God. Yeah, that flew by. Yeah, it flew by real quick, didn't it? And we didn't even touch on everything and stuff. And uh, oh, yeah. no, but I tell you, it was yeah. it was a blast. You know, it was a blast doing this with you, buddy. And I really appreciate you yeah, ta- taking the time. Yeah, I know it was a bit of a struggle to try and get on the schedule and everything, uh, but I'm glad we finally did it. And uh, it was awesome to talk to you and kind of reminisce on those memories and. Uh, you know, have somebody to talk to him about. Amen to that. And I hope we can chat again someday. Uh, but thanks. Definitely. Yes, amen to that. And uh, thank you for doing this. And, uh, you know, just keep your ears open because uh, we're, our goal is to try and get a reunion going here after we, if we ever get back to some semblance of normalcy. We're going to try and yeah. get uh, a reunion here where we'll get a, but it doesn't matter the era, just to get together. And, uh, you know, if we have an alumni game, hey, great. But that's not the big draw. The big draw is to get everybody here to go watch a Cherokee game and sit in the stands, have a couple pops, and just have a few laughs, you know? 
that's yeah that, that sounds awesome definitely uh keep me in the loop and I'll, I'll keep my ear open for that amen to that okay well hey thanks a lot jr for doing this and we'll talk to you again all right thanks Mick. All right, that's going to do it here for episode 61 of the Cherokee Rewind. We thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, subscribe. Whatever platform you use to consume your podcasts, subscribe to Cherokee Rewind, and every time a new episode drops, it will let you know. That way you have every episode, you don't miss one, and you can catch up with all the great Cherokee players that have worn the uniform. Well, for J.R. Engelbert, I am Mick, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind.